Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Doink and Doink Connection, the podcast where Dave and I talk all things professional wrestling. Wrestling. In today's episode, we're going to be going over everything that happened in AEW and Impact Wrestling. We have quite a bit to go over. Um, a lot of fallout from uh, uh, Slammiversary. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing on impact as well as the second night of fighter fest, which opened up with the first labor of Jericho where Jericho found himself in a match, a chairs match with Sean Spears, where the stipulation is only Sean Spears can use chairs unless it's behind the back of the referee. Isn't that usually how those kinds of stipulations work? Exactly. Like, it's always been that way. Oh, you can't use this. Oh, the referee got distracted. Oh, you used it. Give me a break. It's Whoops. Just, it's always how... You get the Pete Dunn shrug. Yeah, it's always how those uh, stipulations work out. So, But Jericho um, goes over, which is key, because it just gets mm-hmm. one step closer. One step closer to MJF. Yep. And then step two is announced uh, via MJF cutting a promo, which honestly... This was a big night. This was a lot of fun stuff happened tonight, or that night. But this probably got the biggest pop because of who it is. Uh, MJF announces that the second labor of Jericho is a no DQ match, Texas death match thing, against none other than Nick Gage. Who at the time... Who at the time was... GCW World Champion. GCW is known for death matches. And Nick Gage being an absolute maniac. Yep. So, we are getting a no DQ match of Nick Gage versus what was announced later on in the show, the return of the pain maker, Jericho. So, we're getting his uh, New Japan character. Yeah, his rebirth, if you would say, after he left the WWE. Mm-hmm. When he was selling out the Tokyo Dome week after week after week because this was a different Jericho than the WCW Tokyo Dome and different had Jericho seen. Jericho than WWE. Pre- well, I'm talking about back when Jericho first was in the Tokyo Dome. Back when he was known as Lionheart. Mm-hmm. When he was facing off against Pegasus Kid, who is Chris Benoit. Facing off against Eddie Guerrero, who was... Um, Tiger, Tiger Mask, something like that. I remember, yeah, he had a Tiger Mask on. He was one of the Tiger Masks, yeah. yeah. Um, so for him to come full circle and be this pain maker, you know, Jericho, um, seeing him again, yeah, the pain maker was when he was facing off against Kazuchika Okada, who was the rainmaker, yes. So it was kind of a it was kind of words. play on that, but he's bringing back this deathmatch character that he had. Yep. In the pain maker, this twisted lunatic yep. to go against a twisted lunatic in Nick Gage. Yes. Um, so that's going to be really exciting. That's happening this coming week uh, on All Elite Wrestling. Next, we had a match between Wheeler Yuta, um, who was joined by Orange Cassidy, against Darby Allen, who was met, uh, met by uh, joined by Sting. Um, this match ended with Darby Allen picking up the victory via a coffin drop. That is not the most important thing that happened during this segment. You know, and that's the worst part is that the most important and impactful thing is what happened outside the ring with shin kicks. It's 
is it the fact that you don't like Sting involved with that, or are you sick of Orange Cassidy? Because no. I love Orange Cassidy. I don't mind Orange Cassidy. My issue is, like, you have Darby <laughs> Allen, this kid you're trying to push the hell out of. This kid who just was in a coffin match last week, who put him through bump, himself through bumps and spots after spots after spots. And the thing everybody's talking about is the shin kicks, is the on, the shin kicks on the outside. Not even Darby it, Allen in the ring. Correct. Like... That's you go to AEW's um, Instagram. Instagram and Twitter, and you go to YouTube, and what is it? The highlights aren't the, the, the highlights aren't what happened in the match. The highlights of these two outside the ring doing shin kicks, and I get it. It's Darby Allen. Sh- uh, that's Orange Cassidy sh- shtick. I get it, and I enjoy it. His character is fun, but again, you're, you're taking the light off of somebody in Darby Allen who you're really doing a great job of pushing. And you're once again shining it on a guy who, for all intents and purposes, has taken how many bumps since he came into AEW? Three or four, maybe. Three or four. And the guy could take one bump wrong and... Be on the shelf forever. Exactly. You know? Again, I get why they brought Legends in. It's the same reason why WWE does it all the time. I get it. I just... And I'll hammer WWE when they take the light off... Like we did yesterday when we talked about how Oldberg came back again to take the light off of you know, uh, Keith, Keith Lee. Lee. Not for the first time, but for the second time. Mm-hmm. This is just, again, it's not a move I like. I mean, yeah. you had you have these two great talents in the ring. You're having a great match, and then you go and you... I like the way they're using like Jake the Snake and uh, Arn, Arn Anderson, Anderson as like managers. Yes. As like... Taz. Exactly. As managers, not as in-ring competitors. Um, I get it. They still see Sting as a draw. And he is a draw. But he doesn't need to get into the ring. He doesn't need to get physical. He doesn't need to get into bumps. No. Let him manage. Let him be that just, silent shadow for Darby Allen. Just do vignettes. Put him back in the crowd, just in the corners, just watching Allen. If you do vignettes... And you do those things where he's watching from a perch up high and stuff like that. And then the entire arena goes black or something like that when Allen's getting surrounded in the ring by a bunch of people. And Sting's able to be in the ring with him with the bat. That does more for the character Mm -hmm. than him ever taking a bump. Yeah. It really does. 100%. I agree with you. Up next, we had a AEW women's match uh, between Britt Baker and Nyla Rose, who was joined by Vicky Guerrero where Britt Baker retains her title over Nyla Rose um, via the lockjaw, which continues to build Britt Baker as this champion. Yes. I don't see, and I think you and I talked about it this week, uh, this past week, I don't know if we mentioned it on show, the only way I see Britt Baker losing this title right now, right now I'm saying, she'll lose it eventually, Mm -hmm. but right now, is if they do some kind of weird cross-brand thing and it's her and Deanna Perrazzo and Perrazzo picks it up. Yeah. That's the only way I see it happening anytime soon. And I think that's what happens at NWA and Power is we have a match between the two of them. We'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. When we talk about Impact. Okay. Just out of curiosity, is Vicky Guerrero building some type of stable? I don't know. Because you've got Vicky Guerrero, Chavo Guerrero, Andrade, and Nyla Rose. Rose. Like, is this some kind of stable going on there? Because Chavo came down with 
Andrade this past week, if mm-hmm. I'm correct, right? Yeah, he debuted. He's all elite. He is now the manager of Andrade. Hmm. He's officially the manager of Andrade. It's almost like a AEW legato going on right now. Yeah. That'd be a lot of fun. I'd be totally fine with that. Up next, we had a match between The Blade, joined by The Bunny, uh, against Orange Cassidy, joined by Chris Statlander, continuing to build the feud between Orange Cassidy and Best Friends against The Butcher and Blade, um, as well as The Bunny versus Chris Statlander, Mm -hmm. which is important because it's continuing to build storylines in different ways. Correct. Instead of having the same people having matches, instead of having Chris Statlander and Bunny again, you have Orange Cassidy against The Blade, which is a fun match. Orange Cassidy picks up uh, based off of the uh, Orange Punch, which is huge because... He was he didn't have the momentum. He hit that out of nowhere pretty much. He ducked under a lariat, popped him with the orange punch. That's the end of the match. When Orange Cassidy gets on a roll, it's fun to watch. Oh, it is. It is. He's a lot of fun with his uh his kick ups. Yeah, his kick ups with his hand in his pocket. Yeah, and his uh Suicina dives with mm-hmm. his hands in his pocket and his super kicks to the shin with his hands in his pocket. He's a lot of fun. I and I enjoy it. That's what he is. He's a very fun character. Yeah. Um, how far up the mid card he goes, being a fun character, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. I like him in this. In this, you know, best friends versus Butcher Blade and the Bunny. Mm-hmm. I like. I like this whole dynamic. And I like that Chris Statlander is involved with them because she's a fun character all on her own, being all on her own, being the uh, the alien character, mm-hmm. the alien cat. She has some really weird character. Um, where she's like an alien cat combo kind of thing. It's definitely interesting. Um, I'd like to see her in the women's division more in a title picture, mm-hmm. but it's very top heavy. As we've mentioned, it's Nyla Rose, it's Hikaru Shida, it's Britt Baker. Mm-hmm. It's very top heavy. We and, need to start the Thunder Rosa now. And Thunder Rosa, yeah. We need to start slowly but surely pulling pieces up towards that title so we can get different matches. Or what we need to do is maybe introduce a mid-card title or a secondary title in the the women's division. I agree with that. WWE doesn't have that except for the tag titles. Mm -hmm. And there are times where you could almost have asked for it. And I almost feel like the the fact that they have the three divisions kind of helps out. Mm-hmm. Break it up where again AEW only has the single has that division. single division. Yeah. Um, moving on to the main event of the show, we had Lance Archer versus John Moxley for the IWGP United States title in a Texas Death Match. I'm not the only think- way to win is to prevent your opponent from answering a ten count. All everything goes, and the Murder Hawk. Lance Archer is your new IWGP United States champion. I I didn't see this happening as we said as I said last week. Um I did not think that the IWGP belt was going to switch hands I, on a non IWGP uh, on a non oh, oh my god, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh event. Like I did not think that they were going to allow AEW to change the the title's lineage basically yeah exactly um i mean it's huge lance archer um has definitely gone through his 
fair share of stuff in AEW because mm-hmm. Jake the Snake's still in his corner too, correct? Uh, he is, yes. So um, he's basically holding the title, holding a title that Jake never had the opportunity to carry. Mm-hmm. So let's see how um, how Lance defends it because he's already been announced to have to defend it he's this week, He's defending right? it this coming week against Bullet Club member Hiku Leo, which is fun to see Bullet Club kind of finding their way into this United States AEW Impact Wrestling promotions. Yeah, because it all started with Slammiversary. With Slammiversary with Jay White. Yep. Who's the leader of the Bullet Club. Who is currently the leader of the Bullet Club, yes. But speaking of Impact, we are going to move on into Impact. Touching on... Nope, something first before we... Speaking of Bullet Club, ironically... We had the opening match of the night was with Chris Bay and Rohit Raju, a couple of members in the X Division, uh, where Chris Bay, before the show, or it was end of last week's show, or before this show, or Slammiversary, something, he found a uh, Bullet Club t-shirt hanging in his locker. Um, He thought nothing of it. He left it to the side and then went out for his match. Um, And after his match, after picking up the victory over Rohit Raju, um, coming back up the ramp, Jay White meets him at the top, kind of asking him about his his offer, his extended hand to join Bullet Club. And for the time being, Chris Bay says, I appreciate the offer, but I'm a lone wolf. I'm going to do this on my own, and declines the offer. We'll see how that plays out a little bit later on in the show. Up next, we have Deanna Perrazzo finding her way into the ring, um, where she is... Uh, no, I'm, I'm wrong. Mickey James finds her way out, cuts a promo, and um, asks for Deanna Perrazzo to come out and join them, uh, to join her, um, and offer the extension for her to be at NWA Empower, which is being led up by Mickey James, the first ever full women's pay-per-view run by a woman. Because there was Evolution, and there is WWR, but this is the first major promotion to do a full woman's pay-per-view produced by a female being Mickey James. Um, Deanna Peraza basically says, no, I'm not going to go because this is just your way of getting a chance at my title. And uh, Mickey says, I have no reason to go after your title that's not what i want you are the best in the world in women's wrestling and we want you to headline our show it took a little bit of convincing from gail kim who also came out and said we're not here for your title we're here because you're the greatest woman in professional wrestling right now based on opinion mm-hmm. um and we want you to headline empower and she accepts she will be in the headline match of NWA Empower, which is going to be a lot of fun. I believe it's happening sometime in August, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think it's as soon as it could be. Let me see if I can figure out when it actually... Yeah, because they have to build it anyway. Because If they're going to put Deanna Perrazzo in the main event, they need uh, an opponent of that caliber as well. And that's where you were hinting at with one Britt Baker. Mm -hmm. Because NWA's first ever all-female show in power on Saturday, August 28th. Last Saturday of the month. Yep. 
the week after SummerSlam <laughs> and take over. Well, it's because it can't go up against it. it. Yeah, no way. Regardless, um, she accepts and she will be at Empower. So you think Britt Baker is going to be the opponent? I would not be shocked if we find Mickey James or Gail Kim on All Elite in the next couple of weeks um, presenting that opportunity to Britt Baker. Um, the only flaw in that is it's two heels, two heel champions. They have no reason to hate each other right now. Outside They're, of promotional things. Yeah. So do you have another name that you would put in that position? I mean, I know Thunder Rosa just lost, so she's kind of out. But Jordan Grace. I could see Jordan Grace. I could even see Rachel Elwering. Well, yeah. One of those two could definitely find their way into that. I could honestly see a match between the two of them the week prior to determine who faces yeah, Diana. You could almost build a tournament out of this. Mm-hmm. Like WWE is already having this idea of the queen of the ring. Yeah. So it could be something along those lines where the winner of the tournament can go up against, you know, Diana Perrazzo and get an automatic title shot at you know Empower. Who, you know who, a name that we kind of slipped over right now, but I just thought of? Former NWA Women's Champion, Serena Deeb. Okay, yeah. She could definitely headline against uh, Diana. Yeah, she could. <clears throat> That'd be a lot of fun. Moving on, we had a six-person tag match um, between Matt Cardona, Chelsea Green, and Jake something versus Brian Myers, Tennille Dashwood, and Sam Beal. Um, continuing the push for Cardona and Green and something uh, after picking up the victory. <clears throat> and Dashwood essentially after the match said, I'm never tagging with you again, Brian, talking to Brian Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam Beal kind of, uh, Brian Myers looked for Sam Beal to back him up and he just let him run. So I feel like we're going to get a singles, a single run, nobody with Kurt Hawkins, uh, Brian Myers any longer. Um, he's going to have to fend for himself pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but we're continuing to build um, Jake something up into something um, as well as Cardona and Green uh, returning as a mixed tag. Yes. Which is a lot of fun. And Cardona's getting his own individual push as well. Yeah, which we'll get to that at the end of uh, the show. Um, up next, we had a brawl out inside, out the parking lot between Eddie Edwards and W. Morrissey where they had to be broken up by officials. Yep. Um, continuing to build their hatred for each other. Giant slabs of beef just slapping against they each other. They just don't like each other. Yep. But it's all it fine. is. It's all it is. This is the segment that I wanted to mention here. Jay White comes out and cuts a promo. And essentially he's talking to the crowd and saying the only reason he's here is for David Finley. Yeah, he doesn't His care opponent about- in New Japan's next show. In Japan's next big show. Um, he doesn't care. He's not here for Omega. He's only here because David Finley came back on at Slammiversary as well. Well, I guess the Good Brothers and Omega want something to do with uh, Jay White. Yeah. Because they found their way out and said that it's... it's Well, the Good Brothers come out and attack um, Jay White. Well, after a ba- little bit of banter back and yeah. forth, because you get... <clears throat> so, obviously, you know, he was going to get interrupted because you've got the current leader of the Bullet Club and ex-members... The former of- leader of the Bullet Club. Yes. 
And it's funny because basically Omega got shut up as soon as Jay White was like, hmm, just out of curiosity, the last time the two of us were in the ring together, what happened? That's right. I beat you. Mm-hmm. So then Omega scurries off and goes in the back. And that's when... And the brothers attack Jay White. They come down to the ring and they do their little back and forth again. Brothers outnumber him two to one. They're going for the... What's their finisher called? Magic Killer. The Magic Killer. And then... Chris Bay comes out for the save. That's right, to even the odds. So we could see ourselves a new member of the Bullet Club kind of slowly emerging. But Bullet Club is a face right now. Because in AEW, Hiku Leo is a face going up against a heel Lance Archer. And then we have Jay White right now as a face. And we have Chris Bay as a face. Mm Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to see them as faces because they've always been a heel faction. That's because in Japan, the foreigners, foreigners are, the are always the heels. Except for Los Ingobernables. But that's completely different. Yeah, that is completely that different. That was Tetsuya Naito being an asshole. Yes, pretty much. Regardless, um, Chris Bay comes out for the save and helps even the odds and rushes off the Good Brothers. Up next, we had a tag team match showing off one of the members that I mentioned, David Finley and Juice Robinson, Finn Juice, actually took on Ace Austin and Madman Fulton, um, which continued um, this kind of five or six tag team thing going on right now where um, VBD blamed um, Swan and Willie Mack for their loss to the Good Brothers, and then they were on the screen, and then they got attacked, and then Finn Juice and Ace Austin and Madman Fulton are kind of complaining, or Ace Austin and Madman Fulton are complaining about their match they just had. Finn Juice comes out. They have a match. They pick up the victory. It's a it's a really confusing tag team division where everybody's involved with everything. Yeah, but that's good because you've got a lot of moving parts. Exactly. As long as you keep everything moving, it's not going to fall flat. Mm-hmm. And you've got a lot of good teams here all working very well coinciding with one each other, one another. Mm-hmm. And the funny side is, no one's paying attention to the Good Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> They're all blaming each other for the loss, and the Good Brothers are the ones with the belts. Uh-huh. Speaking of uh, undoubtedly good tag team divisions, Decay picks up the victory in their uh, rematch uh, against Fire and Flava, um, and they retain their knockout titles. I love seeing Havoc and Rosemary with these titles together. Yes. It's what, a lot of fun. What's harder than winning the titles? Retaining them. Retaining them. Mm-hmm. And they just did. Gets yeah. the old champions. Gives them a big push. Mm-hmm. Gives, and it gives them an opportunity to be matched up with a new opponent. Correct. Which potentially grace an L-ring. Correct. Which would be a lot of fun. It would. You could almost make either one of them a double champion, though. Mm-hmm. Which would be very interesting. Exactly. Moving on to something that is not Impact or All Elite Wrestling related, but it is something important. Because it is a wrestler related to both shows. Both shows, basically. GCW, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Game Changer Wrestling and is known for its death matches. And in their most recent show, believe it was this past Saturday or Friday night or what have you, the main event was Matt Cardona returning to GCW after so many years to face off against Nick Gage, who is the people's champion of GCW, the champion of the death match. And Matt frickin' Cardona 
is the new master of the death match taking the GCW title, being booed out the building, being rained yeah, I was about to say, by booed. beer cans. Dude, they destroyed that ring. Yeah. And he just sat there groveling Soaking in it. Soaking it up. And he was covered in blood, shirt bloodied full, and he's just standing there flipping the crowd off. Dude, he's holding a, the title up. He's a long way from woo woo woo. Oh yeah. A very long way from that. And honestly, this is my favorite Matt Cardona we've seen in a long time. He's such uh he's he's not a people pleaser. That's no, why. He's such a a sig- uh, what's the word I'm looking revolutionary wrestler right now. He can do it all. He can be a face with Chelsea Green. He can be this lunatic character with the hot mess Chelsea Green. And then he can be a fucking deathmatch wrestler winning the GCW world title, taking it off of a psychopath in Nick Gage. Yep. And being the biggest heel we've seen in independent wrestling. Yeah. For a long time. Yeah. Crazy, man. Crazy. I cannot believe that GCW wrote that. And it's letting that happen. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Now, we are currently about 25 minutes into the show. We are about to go on a 5 to 10 minute rant on this last segment. Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, and CM Punk are all but confirmed to AEW. Yes. What is your take on this? Because I know we've talked a little bit in passing, but I want to get your take on what you think about them coming to AEW. Where do they fit? How do they debut? So, (laughs) my thoughts about them coming to AEW are the same as any other superstar who has left the WWE to subsequently go to AEW. And that is that AEW is going to continue to do what WWE did back in the late 90s and early 2000s when WCW was letting go of talent after talent after talent after talent. They were just hemorrhaging talent. Now, Punk hasn't wanted to wrestle for a long time. He was on Talking Smack for what? Two weeks? Three weeks? He did that. He did that show, the WWE show. I don't know if it was talking smack or oh, whatever it was. Oh, backstage. Backstage. He did that for a couple of weeks. Then he just disappeared again. Um, the, the puzzling one is Daniel Bryan because of the fact that, like, everything seems to be going well with him. Obviously, his wife has the whole contract with WWE and the Divas stuff and the Bella Twins and whatever. But. There's there's something there's something else in the works here, man. It's just something else in the works. It just, so it, I, do, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for this amount of talent to consistently just be leaving the WWE. It just doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, how I feel they're gonna debut? They're gonna debut in the same night. They're gonna mm-hmm. debut. I think at the same, pretty much the same segment. One of them's going to be cutting a promo, and the other one's going to interrupt. And right away, you're going to get a feud between the two of them. I think that just makes the most sense. I agree 100% sense. with it. Um, I mean, what would really make it fun, and you've mentioned this off the air, is bring AJ Lee into it. 
mm-hmm. like they did in WWE. Like, bring her into it, have her be in the middle of it all. Mm-hmm. Like, she was in the E. Um, I think you need to get the American Dragon, mm-hmm. and you just need to get the best in the world, and you need to get face, face against each other. Yeah, so my my thought about this whole thing, and here's kind of, I don't know if you'd consider it a disagreement with you um, when it comes to Brian Danielson and why he's doing this, why he's portraying the WWE, yada, yada, his wife's with the E, that t- yada, yada. Nikki Bella and Brie Bella, the Bella Twins, have always been WWE. They have, you're right. Brian Danielson debuted in the early 2000s on the independent scene. He was a Ring of Honor champion. He did all this. He was in Japan. He did all of this independent wrestling stuff before he found himself at NXT with The Miz. He had his run in the WWE. Everybody in their wrestling career wants to have a run in the WWE. Yeah. Aside for a few. There's a few standouts that have said, I don't want to be in the WWE. I want to do my own thing. Good for you. Good on you. Do your thing. Daniel Bryan did his stint. His contract came up. He wants new ventures. Yeah. I am 100% okay with this. Yeah. Okay. When it comes to Punk, this is where it shocked me. Because I thought when Punk left the WWE, Punk was done with professional wrestling. He said as much. For him, until he got say, his head caved in in the UFC. Yeah, he wanted to go fight. He's currently o one and one because one of them's undecided because of a drug test or what have you. Mm-hmm. Am I okay with him returning to the ring? Yes. Am I okay with him returning to the ring in all elite wrestling? Yes. Did I see it coming? No. Do I think it's coming? I don't know. I will believe it when I see it. At this point. Yeah. Because we can always hear, oh, this person's to AEW. This person's to AEW. Until AEW posts it themselves, such and such is all elite, I will not believe it. Yeah. We will see. There are uh, thoughts that it's going to happen at um, uh, Grand Slam, which is their show in MSG in September. We'll definitely see. And how I think they'll debut, I think they'll debut together in the same segment. Against each other, maybe not tagging, but it's going to be a massive segment. It's going to be your main event segment. You can't debut them in the middle of the show. No, it's going to happen. It... Or I'd open with it. I... Could you imagine them opening the show with it? True. I think you open with one of them. You close with the other. So say you have Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, debut in the beginning of the show. Comes out and faces off with somebody. You come back to the end of the show, and that person that was in that main event segment comes back out for some reason. Bryan Danielson rushes out. Bryan Danielson's the last one remaining in the ring. And then you hit Punk's music. And that's how they face off. That there's something that goes back and forth between them two, but they don't debut back to back. Yeah. 
It's you open the show, you book end the show with these debuts. However you do it, go for it. I'm excited regardless. Yes. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of the Doink and Doink Connection. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to hit us up on the show's Instagram page at Double Doink Network or reach out to us on our personals at DJ Ald and at Darlauf and Doink 508. We are available to stream at any time on your favorite podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and many more. Thank you again so much for listening. I have been Josh. I have been Dave. And we've got two words for you. Doinks out. Doinks out.